1: Welcome to The Ralph Report with Ralph Garman.
0: Well, hello there, boys and girls, and welcome to The Ralph Report. Brand new show for you for Tuesday, July 30th. Thanks so much for spending some of your day with us. I am your old podcast pal, Ralph Garman. Sitting here in the Batcave with me is the vice host himself, a.k.a. Mr. Squeaky Shoes. He is Eddie Pence.
1: Hey everybody!
0: Have you gotten some baking soda done yet? It yet. I well, you fix done your it. shoes?
1: For God's sakes. Why
0: do you do that? I don't that? know why
1: I choose to live this way, but I do. Why do you
0: just let it I linger? Just, this annoying thing that you hate—you're just
1: now gonna live with just it. Just let it go. Just fix it. I figure I'll just eventually get new shoes.
0: Yeah, so two years from now, just... <laughs> you'll be walking around going, wow, these new shoes are quiet.
1: Oh, I, I could have been like this the whole time. My Lord. I don't know.
0: Good show for you today, kids. Uh, it is Tuesday, of course. That means we'll take a look at one of your favorite all-time TV theme songs on TV Tunes Tuesday. Good one today. It is, uh, I'll give this away if I tell you, but it is the theme song for the longest running show on television. Okay. Yeah, so we'll talk about that in a minute. Also, Steve Ashton will be stopping by. Sort of weird story. Uh, Steve is an inja on uh, on a job, uh, on his real work. He's got a real job. Believe it or not, he doesn't just <laughs> dress up and dress up as a uh, as <laughs> UK pop stars and wrestlers for the live Ralph report. Nor does he just do silly uh, little uh, nonsensical fun entertainment reports for us here on the show. He has a legitimate job where he has to travel the world. And right now he's in India, so we tried to record a UK update for you today. And for whatever reason, now you would think India, being India, yeah, would be at the the
1: front for a lot telemarketers, right? Of right? the front
0: of telecommunications <laughs> in terms of communicating between the United States and there. But for whatever reason, the uh, the program that I was using to record our conversation only recorded my half of the conversation Mm. and we kind of need steve ashton to be there when we do steve ashton segments (laughs) (sighs) and so uh due to his scheduling and the time difference we couldn't do it again so steve god bless him always the uh, champion of the ralph report and a real trooper he has recorded it as sort of a monologue and sent it along so we will be playing that for you later on in the show so he's always there for us appreciate it there steve um. What else? Before we get going, we got your phone calls and all the other uh, nonsense that we usually do. I want to talk about and give my review of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the nice. new Quentin Tarantino film. Yeah, Just opened up this weekend, made a record opening weekend for a Tarantino film of $41 million. And I got a chance to see it last night. And I got to tell you, I, I was so looking forward to this film for so many reasons. First of all, I like Tarantino. He is say what you may about him, and I know some people uh, don't care for his work that much. He is a unique voice in modern cinema. Yeah, his I agree. movies are unlike anybody else's movies. Yeah. You know, it's a Tarantino movie when you're watching it. I'm a fan, so I was looking at it for uh, looking forward to it for that reason, but also because I love movies and TV shows about Hollywood, about movie making and TV making, and I love that particular era in Hollywood, the late '60s. So it had everything going for me. Going in, my anticipation was high. Yeah. So I went to see it last night, and I have to say, I really liked it. Yeah, I expected to love it, but I didn't really love it. I really it. liked it, mm-hmm. and I'm going to tell you why. And this is spoiler free because I know it's a brand new film, and a lot of people probably haven't had a chance to see it. I you, haven't even you haven't seen it. Seen no, it. I haven't. Even seen and it. you're Mr. First I Nighter. Am. I am. I thought you'd be there on the set while they were making it. <laughs> Usually, that's how you like to see your films, <laughs> I'll, I'll, fresh out of the can. I'll, I'll try. I'll get to it this week. I'm trying. Yeah, so I won't spoil it for you or for anyone else who is listening. But let me just talk in general terms about the film. And this is largely, I think, based upon my own biases about how I like movies to be and the kind of movies that I enjoy, yeah, so first and foremost, at a running time of two hours and forty five minutes, that's a little short for a ten <laughs> yeah, I know he he likes his movies long, and sometimes they can they they can carry that length. Does this feel long? This felt long to mm. me, and I think because. He is obviously also very much in love with this time period. And he went to great lengths to recreate it to the best of his movie making ability to make it look like 1969 Hollywood. And he does a brilliant job of it. But I think, and this is all conjecture on my part, I think he felt if I'm going to go all this work and make it look like Hollywood, I'm going to show you a lot of Hollywood which means a lot of people are just gonna drive around the streets of Hollywood. Right. There are so many driving scenes in this where people will get into a car and then get on the freeway and then get off the freeway, and then go down streets, and then go down Ventura Boulevard, and then go out on the on the one hundred and one, right. and go off to Venice. Vanu- I mean, there's more Brad Pitt driving in this film, I think, than almost any other element. It's to like the film. film
1: school editing, where you show the guy put the key in the lock, and turn the lock, and open the handle, and open the door. It's like you're showing every little moment. I,
0: but that's yeah, like not right. Necessary. Then show the car on the freeway, right. and then show him pulling into the wherever <laughs> his location is, and let's move on with the story. Right. That's right. that's my kind of storytelling. He took his time with the driving. He likes people driving cars. And he does it well. There's a lot of great shots. You can tell the camera's in the back seat and they're looking through and they're actually driving. I mean, I get it. And I know it, perhaps it's representative of what an uh, auto, uh, you know, auto-based society Los Angeles is in Southern California. People spend a lot of time in their cars. I know there's reasons why when you do a Southern California movie driving right. and the music people listen to in their cars while they're driving play a big role. But this was a little heavy
1: on that. He could have saved himself a good half an hour, 45 minutes by pulling back on some of that driving. Was he just, you think, trying to make that air of Hollywood a character in the film, like giving it that much screen time?
0: It is plenty. And this isn't a spoiler, but scenes take place in Musso and Frank's restaurant, which is one of my favorite restaurants in the world. It's the oldest restaurant in Hollywood, just celebrated its 100th anniversary. Several scenes take place in there. Uh, t- scenes take place at El Coyote, one of my other yeah. favorite restaurants near where I used to live there on Beverly Boulevard, Casa Vega. I mean, there's plenty of the frolic room. There's plenty of like sort of iconic moments and scenes from that era of Los Angeles that are represented. It just people take a long time to get there. <laughs> so that start, that stuck out to me as a, in, in a little bit of a, in a nagging way. Also, I know... Quentin Tarantino has a well-documented foot fetish. He loves women's feet. This is a thing. Yeah. And I'm not a guy who is judging anyone on their sexual interest or what gets them hard. That's not, that's not my place. Right. And I'm not that kind of guy. But this movie. A lot of feet. <laughs> it looks like often a parody of someone doing a Quentin Tarantino film. Because so many women bare feet are in the foreground of shots oh, where, he, really? where he is shooting women talking and their feet, often their dirty feet, are literally first and foremost in the foreground of the shot and everything else is happening behind that. That's strange.
1: It is, I don't know if it's strange or not, but it sure is distracting. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's taken away from what you're supposed to be watching. You certainly notice it. Like that, then that, it happens
0: time after time after time where feet become the focus of the frame.
1: Well, that's it's <laughs> odd. Yeah, that's odd. It's odd, yeah. Because you're pulling away from the, what the scenes. Again, not a spoiler.
0: About. Sharon Tate goes into a movie theater to see herself in a movie. It's a Matt Hell movie with uh, Dean Martin, and she actually was one of the stars of this film. And she goes in to watch it, and she takes her shoes off and props them up on the seat in front of her at the theater. And You're watching, watching the movie her <laughs> watch the movie, but her feet are there propped up on the front of the chair in front of her. When you go to see her watch the movie. Oh. It's It really stands out. That's strange. In a big way.
1: That's, that's strange. And I don't know. To put I, that in your movie. I
0: don't know whether it stands out in a big way because I know he's got a foot fetish or because if I didn't know, I would have guessed it by the end of this film. Either way, feet are all older. Feet and driving. He sure likes feet. He sure likes driving. That's what I'm saying.
1: That's what you take away from this movie. No. Obviously,
0: that's not. <laughs> Those are my my picky-yoon sort of problems with the film. It's length. It's it's overdosing so on less the driving, feet and less driving. Overdosing you on love the, feet. the movie. But there are some <laughs> moments in this film that are some of my favorite all-time Quentin Tarantino moments. Really? Yes. And I got to tell you something: the star power, the combination of Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt together. You realize you're watching the two last movie stars of of this era of filmmaking. When you watch these guys together, they are so in, in complete control of their craft. And he has done them an enormous favor by writing these two really great characters that I mean, Brad Pitt is so goddamn cool in this movie. Yeah. You can't help but sort of compare him to Redford in his prime in like the 60s and 70s. Yeah. It's just um Does it, Leo
1: does Leo get an Oscar in this one, do you think?
0: I don't know. The the role's a little slim in terms oh, of not in terms of characterization at all. It's a very uh, uh three-dimensional, well-acted, well-drawn character. But the story itself is is light. It's a fairy tale about Hollywood. There's not, it doesn't have any of that revenant kind of heaviness to it right, at all. Right, it's right. much. It's a much lighter film. Oh, okay. And you'll be surprised to know that uh, overall, it's remarkably light on violence. I heard for this a Tarantino. Is, I heard film. this is
1: the least violent
0: of his movies. I would have to say that's the case. That's I, heard, I couldn't, yeah. you know, I couldn't tell you that for certain, but it sure seemed that way. Yeah. It's much more story driven. And Leonardo DiCaprio, again, no no spoiler here, plays a star of a big Western TV show in the late 50s, and by the time the 60s roll around, his career is on the wane, and he's desperately trying to maintain his career in Hollywood and reinvent himself. And because his time is kind of over in terms of television, he ends up doing a lot of guest starring roles on other television shows. Right. Some are imaginary, and many of them are actual TV shows from oh really the, uh, the 60s, which is really cool because they will take an episode of the FBI, for example, which was an old procedural uh, cop kind of show on television oh. in the 60s, and they will edit in new footage featuring Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> into existing <laughs> episodes of that show seamlessly. So it seems like he's actually appearing That's on it when he's fun. watching it on television. It's a lot of fun kind of stuff yeah. in there. He has a fantasy where he, I don't spoil it, but he has a fantasy where he's recounting a story of how he was almost in a legendary feature film. And while he's telling the story, he's imagining what it would have been like. And so they digitally put him inside that film. And you're seeing scenes from the film as he's telling you the story, how he almost landed this role. So there's a lot of really cool show-busy kind of things yeah. in that. Um, he His characterization is remarkable however though and again this goes to length there is a scene where he is filming a uh, a pilot for a tv series of a series that actually became a show and they show him on the set preparing for the role and then shooting that that role and uh struggling with it and then overcoming it and you've seen scenes in the trailer he lo- looks like a cowboy with a big yeah. mustache and everything they spend a good i gotta say almost half an hour on the set of that show, showing him struggling with the role and eventually overcoming. I mean, long pieces of wow. lengthy scenes of dialogue from that show are depicted in front of your eyes. Sometimes it's it's obvious they're shooting it, and sometimes it's like you're watching the actual show. And that's interesting. Yeah. But, but not for that long, it's not interesting. Right. At some point, of- you're kind of like... I'd like to get on That's with a the large the, chunk of the movie, the, the story that yeah. we're, that we're talking about here. <laughs> Although there's a little girl in the performance in that who plays one of the girls from this show that he's filming. Her performance is remarkable. There's so many great moments in this. I mean, truly great moments in this that whatever complaints I may have, or may be expressing to you now are sort of uh, diminished by just the great feeling you get watching these tremendous moments during the film. And you're like, Oh, that was so cool. And there's lots of that kind of stuff, and then all the Manson family depiction stuff is uh, just chilling, yeah. harrowing. Just watching they go into the the Manson Ranch, who was living at this old movie ranch. They had kind of taken it over, and they were squatting on it. And they 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 show you what's going on there, and all the stuff involving that was really uh, very chilling and and really well done. Um, so yeah, it's this odd hodgepodge of these two fictional stories mixed with Manson, mixed with Sharon Tate, the the, the victim of the, the Manson murders. What's um, the Bruce Lee stuff? That Bruce Lee is just one scene. Oh, it's just one scene? Oh, It's just one scene, but it is one of the highlights of the film. Yeah, yeah. It's so much fun when Brad Pitt and Bruce Lee have to square off against each other because <laughs> Br- Brad Pitt plays this badass uh, stuntman who is working on The Green Hornet, which was a series that, uh, right. of course, made Bruce Lee a star here in the United States. And he's working on the set and they get into it as sort of like a, a, you know, a pissing contest between the two. Who's the tougher and better fighter and stuff. And I won't spoil what, what goes on, but just a, just fun, fun, fun stuff from that era of Hollywood that if you like that kind of thing at all, you'll be blown away. The soundtrack is almost entirely um, actual recorded audio from KHJ radio here in Los Angeles, which was the the monster station at the time. And you hear the original DJs and a lot of the original songs they played. The playlist, I got to get the soundtrack because the playlist is all this great music from the late 60s. He always has great soundtracks in his films. But it's cool to hear the actual DJs and the commercials from that radio station being played in the cars as people are driving around. It's consistently this one station that kind of works as an audio theme throughout the entire film. Um, Again, that that works on so many levels. It looks great. It's... um, DiCaprio plays a guy who's so insecure and just sort of desperate so unlike the kind of role he usually plays that it's remarkable to watch him shine in this thing and uh, as I mentioned Brad Pitt in my opinion walks away with the film it's just like it's it's a character that we haven't seen in films in general in a long time it's like a Steve McQueen kind of Clint Eastwood kind of cool thing going on that is just So much fun. And he's at his best when he's got a lot of humor interjected into his work. So um, the only thing I have to say is, and this was odd. This was another odd part for me. They did so much digital stuff with DiCaprio as this fictional actor, putting him in and out of television and film with great ease. The scene I was referring to earlier where Sharon Tate goes in to watch herself in this movie, this Matt Helm movie starring Dean Martin. Yeah. When she's watching herself on the screen and reacting to it, it's the real actress, Sharon Tate, in that footage. They didn't put her in. They didn't superimpose um, Margot Robbie into that film, which I found odd. That is odd. Because she's like, here I am on the screen. And then you look at her and it's obviously real Sharon Tate. It's not Margot Robbie. So that's like, what if you're going to do everything else, why wouldn't you do that to keep yeah. it consistent? You know. But again, he was too busy thinking about her feet, obviously, so that didn't <laughs> that's cross That's what his you're mind. supposed to focus on in that I shot guess, anyway. just worry about the feet. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a point where Brad Pitt picks up a hitchhiker, a, ph- a, a hippie hitchhiker, and the first thing she does is she puts her feet up on the dashboard and presses them up against the windshield. So that while you're shooting through the windshield watching their conversation, her feet are pressed up against the window right in front of your her face. Her dirty-ass feet. Her d- dirty-ass hippie feet, yeah. <laughs> it's it's foot, foot-tastic. There's so much feet. I can't emphasize enough how many naked female feet you'll see. You give see. it 10 toes? I give it 10 toes, yeah. So overall, <laughs> I can't recommend the film highly enough. There's so much good stuff going on in there that even if you have small quibbles with it like I do, they will melt away and you'll be so glad that you went. And uh yes. I if you can go to an early show, I recommend it. Because it's long. Because it is long, yeah. So if you can get in there like, you know, around six o'clock or yeah. at dinner time or something, you still
1: get out with some energy. I talked to a couple people that seen it, that there aren't Tarantino fans, and they said this is their favorite of the Tarantino movies. Not being a Tarantino fan. It's
0: the most accessible yeah. in terms of straight ahead storyline. Yeah. Uh, well, but being Tarantino, there are plenty of unexpected plot twists and turns and stuff and everything he's always full of surprises this guy which is another reason i love him but um and the cast uh, you know besides the major three characters that i mentioned um al pacino's having the time of his life in there kurt russell shows up i mean a lot of um tarantino's former uh people he's worked with before yeah. show up and it's just boy it's just so much fun and and again again this is a sound it's going to sound like I, I fear that this review will make it sound like I didn't enjoy the film as much as I did. I think I enjoyed it so much that the things that bothered me stand out maybe more than of a film that I didn't love so right. much, you know? It was it was a jarring discrepancy between the moments that I was crazy about and then the things that kind of pulled me out of the movie a little bit. But this did too. Sharon, uh, Sharon Stone, Sharon Tate, the, the, the character, and Margot Robbie specifically as the actress. Remember we talked about that uh, journalist who kind of called Tarantino out and the fact that she yes. didn't have many lines yes. in it? Her role is oddly uh, superficial. I mean, you just really see her driving around with uh, with uh, her then husband, um, Roman Polanski, the film director, her relationship with Jay Sebring, the hairstylist who was also murdered by the Manson family, her reacting to, you know, the film that she's in and a, and a lot of her dancing, dancing at the Playboy Mansion, <laughs> dancing, uh, you know, to music with her friends. I mean, it's very 60s sort of go-go kind of stuff. And it
1: is... They don't. You don't get a lot of depth going on there. But are you? That. I mean, I haven't seen it, but like, if it's all set against the backdrop of the Manson murders, right? Right. So, like, are you just sort of being like a voyeur into watching her go in and experience? Go Not through. Not really. This thing? Those are all sort
0: of intimate um, moments for the most part. Like her packing her suitcase, and she's pregnant when she's murdered. So you see right. her going through her pregnancy issues. You see them all going out to dinner at El Coyote the night that it happened. I mean, they 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 recreate they recreate, really focus on they recreate uh, the the events leading up to that night, uh, very faithfully. And it, um, it, I, maybe I was looking for it cause I'd heard that conversation. Right. I heard that, that, uh, journalist talk about it, but I, I could have enjoyed more. I think, uh, I would have liked to learn more about her. It was weird. It was like, she wasn't, she's obviously a big part of the film and yet she wasn't given, uh the depth of character that some of the other characters were maybe you can't service every character equally in a film that's already two two and three quarter hours long right but regardless margot robbie is a vision on screen she always is she's always fascinating to watch you can't take her eyes off of her she is the the focus of love from several men in that film and you absolutely can buy into that because she's just amazing and the scene at the Playboy Mansion, I mean, nothing more 60s than Sharon Tate dancing by the pool at the Playboy Mansion. So, yeah, there's a ton of great kind of era, 60s era stuff. If you're into that uh, time period at all, you'll get a huge kick out of this film. But um, so overall, again, I know it's going to sound like I didn't like it as much as I did, but I'm, I am really enjoyed this film. So I recommend it highly. And uh, I don't know. Let me know what you think. Yeah, I would. You're going to see it. Soon. I'm going to hey, see it way. this week. Definitely. All right, so there you go. There's my review of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Now it's time to hear from you instead of me. How about the Garmy? We love it when you reach out to us, whether it is via email. Of course, you can write us at ralph at the ralphreport.com or Steve or Eddie at that same email address. You can reach us on our social media or you can do what many folks love to do, which is leave a voicemail on the Ralph Report hotline. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's available to you at that phone number 1.
1: 833 three. Hi Ralph <laughs> What's so <laughs> That was a little creepier yeah. than usual yeah. For you, like, Picture you like Chet from Weird Science <laughs> And <that> little booger <laughs> that pile of booger dough <laughs> Yeah
0: um, Love it when you reach out I listen to every single one of them I grab a handful and we put them here at the top of the show In Garmy on the Line The
1: telephone is ringing
0: Uh, yesterday we did a little segment here called our top three most overrated musical yes. acts and i thought it was pretty clear when i said keep in mind you don't have to call in or write in and complain <sighs> about just, our choices just our opinion just our opinion no real need to, <laughs> to be angry or upset and yet when i listened to the uh, voicemail messages today what do you think Made up the majority of those phone calls. Eddie. Oh, hatred about you not liking Led Zeppelin. A lot of people were <laughs> angry at me. A lot of people were angry at you about the doors. Oh, I, could, yeah, I got some. A lot of that. people were angry, at Steve, about Prince. <laughs> Wait, as I mentioned yesterday when I posted it, I think we found a way to, to piss off almost everyone <laughs> with this segment in retrospect. And so I said, you know, I'm really not going to just start playing uh, messages from people who are bitching or complaining about who we singled out or even the ones that agree with us. Yeah, you're right. The Eagles blow or Kiss is the worst. We got a lot of uh, good and bad phone calls, but there's no real reason to rehash it except for this call. I was so amused by the rage from this gentleman that I thought this was absolutely worth featuring on today's
1: show. Took you fucking twerps. Fuck Frank Sinatra, fuck Iron Maiden, and fuck Elton John.
0: <laughs> He's so angry. Oh, my God. He's so angry. Fuck Frank Sinatra. Yeah, that's at me. Fuck Iron Maiden's <laughs> on you. And then Steve Ashton gets fuck Elton John. So I don't even know which, which band we bagged on that this guy is so pissed uh, off about. We all three must have hit one. We must have. Maybe he's like a Coldplay fan who also loves the Eagles and Kiss. I don't know. I can't imagine <laughs> how that one guy could be so angry at all three of us. Or maybe he just doesn't like criticism in general. I get. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. We did it. our jobs regardless. One more time. It's quick, but I just I love it so much. Took you fucking twerps, <laughs> fuck Frank Sinatra, fucking Iron Maiden, and
1: fuck out and
0: Yeah, he's not fooling around he either. Us twerps. Yeah, fucking twerps. <laughs>
1: So <laughs> you he, <is> he Biff? <laughs> <What's
0: that? laughs> Hello, McPence. Yeah, I don't. Uh, that's And he's oh, not playing either. No, that's that's, that's that's pure anger. That's for real. That's real. Uh, again, speaking of yesterday, this isn't a, uh, a call that either agrees or disagrees. <laughs> this comes from Tanya, who has never. Well, I'm glad Steve Ashton brought it up into the conversation. Had never heard a Kanye West song before. Mm. And so she thanks us for the education. Hey, Ralph, this is Tanya from Arizona. Um, I've
1: never in my life listened to a Kanye West song. And I literally had to rewind that, I think, two or three times to hear that
0: lyric. And I'm shocked. And, you know, maybe Cherry picked, you know, a really good, bad example. Um, Yeah. Anyway, um, so thanks for that. Thanks, Steve. Love you. Mean it. Bye. No, actually, that's fairly representative of Kanye West's music, the song we played yesterday. And I kind of resent you saying that I would particularly pick a bad one to make him look bad. Because if I was going to do that, Tanya, then I would have played you a little bit from this <laughs> Kanye West song called Lift Yourself. Poopy dee scoop. Scoop dee dee whoop. Whoop dee scoop dee poop. Poop dee scoop dee scoop dee whoop.
1: Whoop dee scoop whoop poop. Poop, scoop, poop, poop, scoop, doo whoop, whoop, doo scoop, whoop, doo scoop, poop. That's that's an actual Kanye West song. I like the poop guy song from yesterday <laughs> way better than this poop song.
0: <laughs> poop in your fingernails my and then fingernail. just poop, poop, poopity poop.
1: Both far better than that song. Yeah. So
0: I would, if I was going to make him look bad, I probably would have played that as the musical sample for Kanye West. And lastly, uh, Bear called in. Remember Bear from uh, up there in Northern California? the actual Bear. He's an actual Bear who calls us from time to time out of the wilderness. (laughs) Turns out he's got a question. Hey, Ralph. Bear from Northern California here. Hey, I got a where did it come from for you. I heard some guy telling me that I was going to pay out the nose. And uh, does he want my snot? What does he want? What does that mean to you guys? Anyways... Ralph, doing a great job. Thank you. Eddie. <sighs> all right, I'll see you.
1: Wow. Not even a word now, just a noise. Smarter than
0: the average bear right there. <laughs> uh, you've heard the phrase before, pay through the nose or pay out the nose. Yeah. We've all heard it, but where does it come from?
2: Where did it come from? Where did it go? Where did
0: it come from? We want to know. Where did it come from?
2: Say it ain't so. Where did it
1: come from? I'll fucking know.
0: No. This is the segment where we take a look at idioms and phrases and try to track down their origins. It is an odd one to pay through the nose. Yeah. We know what it means. It means you're probably going to pay much more than what is fair, especially when it comes to price or something. Yeah, Yeah. right. You're you're, uh, paying more than what you should. You'll be surprised to know that the phrase comes neither from having to do with money or having to do with your nose. Okay. Once again, as many of these phrases, it turns out, have their origins in uh, shipping, in sailing in uh the, the sea term. life nautical terms yes the sea life as it were it turns out paying through the nose was a common expression aboard ship and it referred to the nose of the ship or the bow and have you ever seen those two holes on either side of the bow of a ship so where the anchor comes that's out that's where the anchor comes from yeah. usually there's a large chain that comes out through that hole in the nose of the of the boat and as the uh, anchor sinks into the water, the the, the chain gets what the, the reference in in uh, seagoing is the, the chain the chain gets paid out. okay The chain is paid out into the water as the anchor sinks. So when they say release an anchor and release the chain through those holes or nostrils on either side of the nose of the ship, it's known as paying out handsomely or pay out the cable or pay out the chain. And eventually, it morphed into the chain being paid through in the, the nose. nose, just just yards and yards of metal chain paying through the nose of the ship as the anchor sank into the okay. water. And eventually, the uh, sailors would take that phrase and start using it in everyday life back at home on shore. And it morphed from paying through the nose um, from a ship into paying through the nose with your money, when you overpaid for something, Right, because you just keep giving money more and more and more and more. And the way more. chain ma- uh, the, the chain links would just pour out of the nose right. of the ship as the uh, anchor plummeted to the depths of the ocean. Okay. Yeah, so interesting. Once again, we have the sailors to thank. Yeah. Now you know sailors get a bad rap. Usually, they're known for cursing, but it turns out they mm-hmm. gave us a lot of phrases. Quite a too. bit of the language. So thanks so much, sailors. I, I, we love seamen. <laughs>
2: Where did it come from? Where did it go? Where did it come from? We wanna know where did it come from? Say it ain't so where did it come from? i fucking
0: Thanks to everybody who called in today, especially that really angry guy. If you hear this and you want to call back and explain to us just which one of us really got you steamed, I would I would love to have a conversation with you. Unless you're still that angry, then wait a couple days and call back. Uh, You too can be featured on Garmin on the line, but you got to take that first step. You got to call me. All right, now it's time to take a look through the rearview mirror, through the annals of time, and find out what happened on this day in history.
1: Um,
2: um, um. Ralph's about to solve another mystery. Like is today the day some dude invented listerine, or maybe a tyrant king married his sister queen? Who knows? Every day seems to be an anniversary. The garmy's rubbing Ralph's lamp, so grant our wishes, please, and tell us what went down this day in history.
0: Day July 30th on this day in 1733 the society of freemasons opened their first american lodge in boston massachusetts 1733 wow the freemasons i don't trust those fuckers <laughs> i don't like anybody with a secret organization that's got secret handshakes and shit you're yeah. not allowed to tell anybody what goes on right. behind the walls of our meetings my dad and brother are masons figures yeah. it's usually like white dudes getting together it's with other white, white dudes. dudes yeah. I'm not a mason. No, it's bad I, news. I, I don't do that stuff. Did you join a fraternity when you were in college? No, I'm not a group person. Yeah, I'm not either and I don't trust <laughs> them. I don't like them for no, the most part. I'm not. I'm an individual. Secret organizations give me the willies. Yeah, I don't dig it. Um, and on this day in 1863, President Abraham Lincoln issued his eye for an eye order. For every black prisoner that was killed by the south, he ordered them to shoot a rebel prisoner. Whoa. I didn't know Abe didn't fuck around like Damn, that.
1: He's throwing he, it down. He
0: was for real. Shit. On this day in 1874, the first baseball teams played outside the United States in the British Isles. It was Boston versus Philadelphia, apparently.
1: <laughs> Two of the more friendly fan bases yes. out there.
0: <laughs> I don't think the fans traveled probably in 1874. And
1: uh, uh could you imagine the Brits got their
0: their look at American baseball for the first time. Can you imagine they looked at and said, Oh, we thought cricket was bad. Look at this piece oh, of shit. Oh, come on. What the
1: fuck are we doing? Baseball during cricket.
0: On this day in 1908, the around-the-world automobile race ended in Paris. That would be pretty cool to drive around the world. You ever see that movie, The Great Race, by Blake Edwards from the 60s, a comedy? Yes. Yeah, yes, it's yes, pretty yes. funny stuff. That's what it makes me think of. On this day in 1928, George Eastman showed some friends at his New York home, the first amateur color motion pictures, 1928. Oh, amateur. Somebody was making color motion
1: pictures. Sounds, well, it was like porn.
0: No, it wasn't a professional. They didn't release it into theaters or anything. Right. It was just someone shooting with a, a brand color new type camera. of camera and color film. Wow. Yeah. And uh, Thomas Edison was in attendance, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah. On this day in 1935, the first Penguin publishing book, Penguin. Was released. Penguin. Penguin. And um, it was the start of the paperback revolution. it took them until 1935 for someone to figure out you didn't have to make a book hardcover. Oh, my God. You could make it out of paper and you could stick it in your back pocket. (laughs) So much easier to move. My God. How did it take them (laughs) that long to figure that out? In this day in 1942, FDR signed the bill. They created the Women's Navy Auxiliary Agency, better known as the WAVES which stood for Women Accepted for Volunteer Emergency Service. They let women in the Navy while all the men were off fighting right. so that they could do clerical duties and things like that. But only like do that. emergency, during
1: emergency time. Like well, wartime, it it right? was wartime. Yeah. That's
0: why FDR uh, declared That's it the only the time. They time. They needed, they needed personnel, right. and so they let them join the Navy for uh, the, the duration of the war. Just like they let them build uh, bombers and stuff, yeah. you know, Rosie the Riveter and all that kind of stuff. Women did all kinds of groundbreaking jobs during the war because of the shortage of men in the United States. they then
1: booted out when and the war was were, over? They were
0: quickly booted out of all those positions and sent back to the kitchen in quotes afterwards. Oh, and had to start from scratch all over again. On this day in 1945, after delivering the atomic bomb across the Pacific, the cruiser, the USS Indianapolis, was torpedoed and sunk by a Japanese submarine, and 880 of the crew died, many of them, attacked by sharks That's as they the floated in the water. the famous Quint story from Jaws. That's right. If you've ever seen Jaws, you may remember uh, that that chilling speech that Robert Shaw gives there at the table. You on the Indianapolis? What happened? Japanese submarine slammed two torpedoes into our side chief. He was coming back from the island of Tinian Delady and just delivered
2: the bomb, the Hiroshima bomb. Seven hundred men went into the water. Vessel went down in 12 minutes.
0: Didn't see the first shark for about half an hour. Tiger, 13-footer, you know? You know that when you're in the water, Chief, you tell by looking from the dorsal to the tail. Well, we didn't know was our bomb mission had been so secret no distress signal had been sent. Yeah, they floated in the water for a week, God, until they were finally discovered. They made a movie about that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's terrifying. Ugh, awful sharks got dead eyes, (laughs) black eyes like a doll's eyes. That's such a great speech. (laughs) On this day, Eddie, you're gonna like this one. Yeah. On this day, July 30th in 1948. Professional wrestling mm. premiered on primetime network television, Eddie. <laughs> uh, the Dumont Network. There used to be four networks back in the 40s. and 1948, one of the first things that people saw on television wrestling. was professional wrestling. It's huge. It's, it's, it's ingrained in our culture. It's, it's huge. It's dumb. <laughs> on this day in 1954, <laughs> Elvis Presley joined the Memphis Federation of Musicians, Local 71. He was a union man Duh. even then. Former truck driver. Of course, he's going to join the union. The king. In 1956, the U.S. motto of In God We Trust became the official motto of the United States. Mm. 1956.
1: (laughs) You know why they did that? It was because of the the Russians, right? Yes. They wanted to separate us. uh, Communism, right? They wanted to separate us from the godless commies over in Russia.
0: So they started adopting all this God stuff that had
1: never existed in American government before. And it's forever tainted us. Because yeah. people refer to it like it meant something hundreds of years ago.
0: Yeah, it's like, you can't change that. That's the American way. 1956 yeah. is when they slapped that on our money. Pro wrestling mommy. on TV is older than That's that. That's right. That's kayfabe, That's man. That's kayfabe. <laughs> and by the way, it's still going on. Did you know South Dakota and Kentucky just passed state laws that in God we trust now has to be somewhere <sighs> on the public school buildings? Wow. Well in every school in the state
1: come on guys
0: you have to put that in the hallways or on the front of the building or somewhere it must read somewhere in god we someone someone needs to
1: sue them because that's not constitutional
0: it just seems like these are the people who keep warning us be careful of the muslims because they rule by sharia law in their countries and you don't want a country that's run by religious zealots that's not what you want so you have to attack the muslims meanwhile they're pushing their own yeah. religious agenda through the government. The, the Christian Taliban, they, that's like, it's not that far from the truth. Craziness. On this day in 1960, the first AFL preseason football game was held. There used to be two professional football yeah. leagues in this country. The AFL, NFL. Yeah, and then they eventually merged. But uh, this first preseason game featured the Boston Patriots against the Buffalo Bills. And the Patriots beat them 28-7. to So, so little has changed since...
1: 1960 <laughs> more things changed. change Patriots more still beating up
0: on the bills on this day 1965 lbj lyndon baines johnson our president signed the medicare bill which went into effect in 1966 and speaking of 1966 on this day the american beatles album yesterday and today went to number one on this day and stayed number one for five weeks they, they really fucked up the Beatles when they came to the American releases because they never released the albums as they were recorded from England. They would take them and strip off some of the songs and mix them around and, and change them. So this album was never only released in America. It was made up of a lot of songs that they had pulled off of other albums because they were just too long. Americans, they wanted their album shorter. Really? Yeah, Capitol Records did anyway. So this was sort of like a compilation album of stuff that had been left over from. some some previous releases, and it still went to number one with songs like this one.
1: She was a way ticket, yeah. It took me so long to find out, and I found out. On this day in
0: 1969, Barbara Streisand opened up for Liberace at the International Hotel in Las Vegas. How gay was that audience, right? That's like the dream show. My God. So much gayness. That's crazy. 1975, U.S. Teamster President Jimmy Hoffa disappeared in suburban Detroit. Uh, He was never seen again after that. It's in the Meadowlands, right? That's what they say. He's in one of the end zones. I don't know (laughs) if that's true or not. On this date in 1977... I Just Want to Be Your Everything by Andy Gibb reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100. If you weren't around now, it's hard to imagine how big Andy Gibb was in 1977. First of all, his brothers, the Bee Gees, had already exploded, especially with the success of Saturday Night Fever, and that soundtrack. But he also had six singles that reached the top 10 in the 70s, Uh, three others that reached the top 20. So that's. Nine songs in the top 20 in the span of about two or three years. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. This was the first one, however. It's called I Just Want to Be Your Everything. I, I, I just want to be your
1: everything. Open up the heaven in your heart and let me be The things you are to me And not some of it on a strain
0: It didn't hurt that he had his brothers writing his songs and singing backup on right. the songs either, so they sounded like Bee Gees songs Man, more than anything. They sing so high pitched. Yeah, it's crazy. He died uh, thirty years old when mm. he died of a, a drug overdose, and he was trying a comeback. That's At how thirty. That's how meteoric his rise was, and then how quickly he fell out of Ooh. favor. It's kind of crazy. Uh, the soap opera Santa Barbara premiered on this day, July thirtieth, on uh, in nineteen eighty four. Lasted till nineteen ninety three. And then in 1991, a little band called Metallica released a single that would define them for the rest of their careers. It was a little something like this. I'm just going to play the intro, see if you know what I'm talking about. Sandman, of course, that's got to be their most famous
1: hit. I would think think? so. Before then, one was pretty huge. Yeah, but I think that one overtook it. it That one, yeah.
0: And you know, I saved the food-related days in history for the end because it's always fascinating to see if Eddie Pence eats something or not. I will describe the food of the day, (laughs) then we will pull the handle of the patented Eddie Pence jackpot slot machine. If three of those items come up on the reels, then there's a big payout. That means he eats it. And if it doesn't, well, then that's just Eddie being Eddie. Mm. Today's day in history on this day in 1729, Eddie. Going way back. The city of Baltimore was founded. That's when the city of Baltimore became an actual city. And, of course, Baltimore is known. Its primary food that its uh, claim to fame is. Is, of course, the blue crab. The blue crab population of the Chesapeake Bay was recently estimated at 300 million. They speculate there are 300 million blue crab in the Chesapeake Bay at any given
1: time. That means you just can't even see the sea floor. I would imagine. I can imagine. It's just all crab.
0: Yeah, so uh, they pull them up and they eat them like crazy there in Baltimore, as they pronounce the name of that town. In fact, so much so that uh, they created their the crab seasoning known as Old Bay comes out of comes out of Baltimore. They invented that. And I found out by doing research on this that Old Bay, the crab seasoning they put on these blue crabs when you crack them open and eat them, it was created in part to keep customers thirsty and ordering more beer. <laughs> They found they would sell more (laughs) beer if they had some sort of spicy seasoning to put on the crabs. I have been in Baltimore. I have been there by the Chesapeake Bay, and I have put on my uh, crab bib, and I've taken those little suckers and with a mallet and busted them up and eaten that sweet, sweet crab meat. It is delicious, but that doesn't mean anything when it comes to Eddie Pence. There's all sorts of delicious things he won't eat. Let's find out if he eats the delicious blue crabs of Baltimore. Let's pull that handle
1: here we go we got
0: one crab two crabs
1: and... now i have to say something about blue crab well i would hope you Uh-oh. would i don't it's not that i don't like the taste of blue crab i oh. like the taste of blue crab okay this should be good it is not worth the time and effort to get that little amount of meat oh, out hey. of that crab that's part of to the eat fun. It. no it is not your fingers get cut and then the old bay gets in the cut And then you spend half the time sucking on your thumb because your finger hurts. And you get you maybe you could sit there and break open thirty blue crab and get maybe a cup of meat. Come on. It's It it, is the biggest waste of time.
0: No, you're not you're not eating blue crab to fill up. That's not the Why are you eating it? Why do you eat peanuts in the shell? At a Because I like game. the
1: taste of peanuts and I eat them and it's over with. Right. But it doesn't take me 30 minutes to get but a peanut out of a, a shell. It's a
0: lot of work to shell peanuts to eat no, what's it's inside. Not. And you're getting a little nut like this. It's kind of the same thing. You no, get a, you get it's a big not. bucket of clams. It's not even close. And you crack them open and you no. eat what's inside. I,
1: you sit there forever picking away to get oh, like a, barely a handful of crab meat in two hours. You sound like a big baby. I, right when now. it comes to blue, lo- I don't understand it. Oh, it's so good. I'll eat crab snow crab, you just crack a leg open, you get the meat out yeah you're good but these crab, are blue crab you're sitting there for the hammer and a fork and oh my god it's a pain in the ass where, i hate what, it what's your hurry I where you it. gotta go you, that you look, can't sit
0: down and eat if some you want to crack
1: open the blue blue crab i'll eat it oh, i'm not gonna dig through that I carcass see. we'll get you a butler to come by get me and crack s- your crab give for me an it. alfred to crack my blue crab my god it's a pain in the ass what a
0: weenie well no surprise there eddie pence is not eating that delicious no, not crab not worth not worth it well as eddie says it just means more for me that's all and that's today's day in history
2: i pity the Who ain't been schooled by Ralph recently He's dropping college level knowledge with such accuracy It got my head spinning faster than a drunk Eddie And I'm rocking the back and track with a rap like a bad celebrity I hope Cooperman loves my beats Cause that rhymes with LMB And that's a wrap for the Ralph Report today in history
0: 15 cents a day, y'all That's right Hey there, it's Ralph Garman here I hope you're enjoying the show And if you are, why not subscribe to the Ralph Report So you can hear it every day, Monday through Friday for just 15 cents a day, you can be a one-star general supporter, and that will get you the show in your ear holes Monday through Friday. Of course, there are two, three, and four-star general levels as well, which gets you more bonus content and more access to me. So if you like what you're hearing, why not subscribe? Go to patreon.com slash the Ralph Report. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash the Ralph Report. Subscribe today so you don't miss a thing. Now it's time to take a look at all the entertainment news with a segment I call The Showbiz Beat. Oh, this guy's at it again. You're you're a ghost buddy, Eddie. Oh, uh, what's that? Zach, Zach Baggins. Zach Baggins. Yeah, we were just talking about Sharon Tate. Uh, the newest piece of creepy Charles Manson memorabilia in his museum is he just bought her wedding dress. So now he owns Sharon Tate's wedding dress. Why? why? He bought that at auction for $56,000. She wasn't killed in it. No, but it's the dress she wore... In her 1968 marriage to Roman Polanski, and now it's on display at his museum That's because stupid. he says it is tangentially related no, to the not. Manson murders because she was his victim, and now he's got her wedding dress, and there's a lot of energy
1: that, that comes off of that dress because it came from an important day in I her life. I could see Eddie. if he's got the actual clothes she was murdered in. You could see that, that, could you? Well, for what he's trying to use it for. Yeah. But not her wedding. That's like any other article of clothing throughout her life is tangentially... Well, it was the connected. day he got she, she got married. That's probably more significant than like a sweater she wore to, to the I, supermarket. If she got married to Manson, <laughs> then it would make sense. Either way, this ghoul is just trying to create more
0: people to give him money to look at the, the, the property of victims, basically. Yeah. That's what this guy's all about. It makes me sick to my stomach. <laughs> um, he also, by the way, owns some of uh, Manson's Ashes. Yeah, and some bone fragments and uh, some other stuff that he got when Manson was cremated after he died in prison. Mm. So, he's a good guy. Your 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 friend He's not my friend. He's I don't your know best him. friend. He's not my and friend. And he's a creepy ghoul. I will go to his museum in Vegas. And though. I hate him. Uh, I hate this idea too. Friends' 25th anniversary, Eddie, is coming up. Are they doing something? Oh or? yeah! It has spawned a pop up experience no. in New York City. Yep, tired of pop ups in Soho. The Friends 25 space allows you to live out your friends' fantasies, Eddie. Ugh. You get to sit on a Ooh. recreation of the set.
1: And then you take a picture and put it on Instagram. You
0: get to you get to have your photos with props and costumes. Who
1: gives a you shit?
0: You can stick a turkey on your head, oh which gosh. I guess happened in an episode. Yes. You can uh, you can relax on Chandler and Joey's recliner. Why? You can play some foosball in their apartment. Yeah. Anything you want to do is recreated there, in this pop up. Uh, you can get there for the low, low price, Eddie, of $29.50 with reservations. Stupid. So, Stupid. Tickets go on sale August 2nd exclusively at friends25popup.com. If you're in the New York area and you want to celebrate a TV show that is 25 years old and <laughs> that has not aged very that well. That was shot in Los Angeles on a soundstage. Then go nuts. Slap down <laughs> your 30 bucks and live your life. Who am I to say otherwise? <laughs> Meanwhile, that's what I'm going to do with my money. I'm doing do this. The uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture is returning to theaters for its 40th anniversary.
1: What? That's a long, boring movie.
0: That movie has gotten no. a bad rap. A, over I, I the tried years. to rewatch
1: it. It's a long boring it's movie. It's good. Star Trek too much better watch.
0: Oh yeah, it's a better yeah. film. But the, but one really gets a bad rap. Why? And I don't think it's nearly as bad as it is it's as really people say. Long and really I watched boring. it recently on television. I was like, this is fascinating stuff. And you have mm. to remember those visuals at the time were breathtaking. We hadn't seen anything like that going through dry dock with the with the, with the Enterprise. That was impressive. Mm. And V'ger and that bald chick, all that cool stuff going on. Anyway, uh, Fathom Events is doing a two-day only uh, revisit of that series, September 15th. Wasn't the uh, guy, and the, 18th. the
1: main guy in there, busted for uh, kitty porn? Oh yeah, I forgot about him. Yeah, Stephen Collins. Did they take him out of the movie digitally? I don't, I don't believe so. No, because they think pulled he Seventh Heaven it. off networks.
0: Yeah, they should. Uh, they should s- send him out an airlock or something. They should reshoot some footage <laughs> <laughs> and get rid of Stephen Collins. I forgot about that. Hey, listen, Eddie Pence. Yes. And any other actor out there who bitches about their auditions, I don't want to hear it anymore. Because this guy had the worst audition in history. Really? You'll never have an audition as bad as Al- as uh, as this guy, Alex Schoenauer. Uh huh. Alex Schoenauer is a former MMA fighter who appeared on season one of UFC's The Ultimate Fighter, and he lost to Forrest Griffin. Yeah. Um, he got out of the MMA game and is now a stuntman, professional stuntman. And he had to go audition for JMP Productions, which makes action shows like SEAL Team and SWAT. And according to his lawsuit, for his audition, he had to burst through a door with a stunt woman at the Oak Tree Gun Club in Southern California while they were both carrying semi-automatic assault rifles. And they had to show they could look convincing while doing stunts carrying them. Okay. Now, here comes the bad part. Um, The guns were loaded with live ammunition. And the stunt woman accidentally fired her gun and shot him through the upper back. Why do they have loaded guns? That is the question he would like to have answered in a court of law. Yes. It exited through his upper arm and shoulder. Uh, Apparently the injury was not life-threatening. However, he would still like to be compensated for that accident that happened. Oh, he should sue the shit out of them. And it wasn't even a real... It wasn't even shooting something. It was an audition to be a stuntman for one of those shows.
1: They, even the shows don't have live rounds. <laughs>
0: no, they're guns. very particular. Yes. That's why I think it went awry, because on set, those people are meticulous about firearms. I think if you did an audition at a gun club, maybe they picked up the wrong gun, or oh maybe nobody God. was looking too carefully. That's crazy. Because uh, yeah.
1: usually on set, you get a big, long spiel from the guy with the guns. Oh, yeah. And he, t- he gives it to you, and then takes them right away. The minute you're done filming, the guy comes up and takes it out of your hand. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Alex
0: Schonauer is his name. He is suing everyone oh, from the production company it. to the stunt coordinator, even the woman who shot him. He is suing everybody Sue for everybody. unspecified damages. So we don't know how much he wants, but I can imagine it's That's way worse than my audition. A story. couple of bucks, right? So what's the worst
1: thing you ever happened? <laughs> Me? Yeah. Oh my god! What was the worst audition you ever I, had? I went in for a video game audition. <laughs> okay. And you're where they motion capture you? Uh huh. And I'm supposed to move around the room like I'm sneaking in, like I'm busting. I got a machine gun in my hand. Right. And I, I'm, I'm supposed to go behind table, but it's an empty room. Okay. I have to space work all of this. Gotcha. I'm doing it. And I'm like, all oh, halfway through, I just like, I come to the realization of what I'm doing, and I just get this like, what am I doing? in my head right. and by that point the cast member just looks at me and she goes that's enough of that and then I just walk out the door <laughs> and I never come back but her just to go
0: that's enough of that yeah <laughs> you're embarrassing yourself and oh, me oh my god stop doing worst that worst audition I've ever had in my life okay so that was bad nobody shot you nobody though, shot me because
1: it was all fake guns <laughs> so it's all
0: good yeah <laughs> speaking of the MMA Dana White proved how insanely rich he is at his 50th birthday party he partied on Sunday with uh some friends and the entertainment this is i know when you're rich the entertainment was don henley he came by and performed for the crowd you wouldn't have liked that because you don't like the eagles not not really and then gwen stefani came out and she did a set as, as long well she doesn't do that christmas
1: song with what's his face and fine blake <laughs> Shelton. oh god that song sucks
0: how much money does it cost to have those two people perform at your party yeah. one of them would have to be that would be like all the money i think a couple million right yeah. they're not just showing up and doing parties
1: no. Yeah. Unless you have some dirt on them.
0: Also there at the party, by the way, Red Hot Chili Peppers frontman Anthony Kiedis because uh, apparently he's good friends with him. Maybe yeah. a part owner for all I know.
1: We wouldn't want to go to
0: that. No, I wouldn't. We we all would have been very unhappy at <laughs> that party. We would
1: hated that party.
0: And lastly, speaking <laughs> of music, Meatloaf has finally settled a lawsuit over one of his biggest hits. Remember, I Would Do Anything for Love? How could you forget and it? Then I would do anything for love. But I won't do that. Well, he was sued by a guy who goes by the name of Dunmore, who claimed in 1989 he released a song called I Would Do Anything For You. <laughs> and then Meatloaf comes out with a song called I'll Do Anything For Love in 1993. And he said, you stole my song. It's the same themes, the same uh, progression of chords. It's the same tone as a female co- uh, a singer in the background. You have stolen my song. And apparently now they've decided not to go to court over this one. Hmm. And they are settling out of court, which makes me think that maybe there's something to that this. That might be. All right, you know the song, right? I'm going to play a little bit of I Would Do Anything For You. And you let me know if you hear a similarity or not, okay? It's you I need and I need you now. I can't hold you.
1: And kind of, I'm it certainly has the same too. pattern for sure. I, I don't, I would never hear both
0: those songs. If I, would, I heard yeah. that song, I would go, Oh my god, this sounds just like the Meat no, Love song. It's
1: not like Ghostbusters and the New Drug.
0: I don't think Meat Love should be throwing away his money, quite frankly. Yeah. Yeah. I Unless mean, they're asking for so little that maybe it's better it to pay away. it than to pay the lawyers, perhaps.
1: Yeah, I don't hear it
0: that way. Well. I don't either. All right, let's take a look at today's celebrity birthdays. All these stars born on this day, July 30th. Drummer Brad Hargreaves from Third Eye Blind is 48 years old today. Movie director Peter Bogdanovich is 80 years old. Actor Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I'm 72 today. Oh, it's unbelievable. Look at me, it's 72. I still have huge muscles. Jean Renault is 71. Uh, Lawrence, don't call me Larry Fishburne, is 58 years old today. Jazz saxophone is David Sanborn is 74 years old today. <laughs> That's not finger banging music, no, is it? That's no, that's a dry humping music. Oh, okay. Actress Lisa Kudrow. <laughs> we're just talking about Friends. 56 years old today. Terry Crews from Brooklyn Nine Nine is 51. Christopher Nolan, movie director, is 49 years old. And singer songwriter Kate Bush is 61 years old today. Huge, huge star in the UK. Not so much here in the United States. You know why? She won't tour over here. Won't get on a plane. Scared to death of flying. Well, so she's never been in the United States to tour. She didn't have to. She doesn't have to, but uh, I sure would like to see her. I love her music. When I
1: was a child, running in the night, afraid, you know what I might be. Hiding in the dark, hiding in the street, and the walk was put up ahead of me. The hounds of the hounds
2: of the moon.
0: She won't take a boat? I guess she could take a boat. Can't she Maybe a she boat? has performed here. I know if she has, it's, it's been very mm-hmm. rare to see her over here in concert. Uh, Hilary Swank is 45 years old. Jamie Presley is 42. Yvonne Strahovski from Chuck, and now The Handmaid's Tale, is 37. Martin Starr used to be on Freaks and Geeks, most recently in the new Spider-Man movie. He plays their teacher when they're oh, all yeah, over yeah. there in Europe. 37 years old, Gina Rodriguez from Jane the Virgin's 35, and blues guitarist Buddy Guy, one of the greats, is 83 years old today. good as that's he a good song oh man, man. you know be, if being sad makes you make that kind of music then i'm glad the blues guys are sad <laughs> because i love me the blues that's it for today's celebrity birthdays i'm ralph garman i walk the showbiz beat but we're not done with the entertainment news just yet oh no now it's time to hear from our pal over there in the uk mr steve ashton
2: Oh, Ralph, you're the man who makes Sachin Tendulkar look like Mother Teresa. Now, if you don't know who Sachin Tendulkar is, he's widely regarded as one of the finest batsmen in the history of cricket. And of course, it was National Tiger Day, wasn't it, the other day? And we all know where tigers come from. That's right, from their mummies. Tommies. Now, Ralph, the other day you were talking about wanting to know what Delhi was like. you were saying it's smelly. It's chaotic. There's shit and smoke everywhere. Well, you know, that's a very broad, sweeping generalization. And I would like to say, yes, it's absolutely like that. It's fucking chaos. Anyway, look, uh, pasty wanker Sheeran is in the news. Yeah, Ed Sheeran is going to some pretty extreme lengths to stop his neighbours filing noise complaints about him. He spent £4 million to buy the houses around his London mansion. Instead of thinking like, you know, fuck them um, and be all rock and roll. He's bought the houses next to them so he can play his unique brand of musical diarrhoea as loud as as maybe four on his stereo. And the warbling poo monkey continues to battle his neighbours in Sussex over an apparent wildlife pond being used as a pool. According to locals, he's taking matters into his own hands. Now it comes after his wife reportedly continued to anger locals after positioning a bunch of hay bales around the controversial pond. But well, they should be fucking thankful. I mean, imagine, right, you're out for a nice Sunday walk, you know, in the morning, and suddenly you're greeted with a semi-nude Sheeran looking like Jacob fucking Marley on his vacation. No, thank you very much. Now, apparently, Edwards granted permission to build on the uh, site uh, on condition that it would be a natural habitat to attract wildlife. And I don't see the problem because my understanding is he's part albino otter. Amy Winehouse is in the news also. I was just watching her documentary recently. So heartbreaking. Um, she's uh, – well, her piece piece of living shit ex-husband has made a shameless bid for a one million pound stake in her fortune. Now, the drug addict Blake Fielder, Civiline, Borderline, Federline or some fucking something – um, he admitted to introducing her to heroin and wants a lump sum and allowance. Now, Amy, who died in uh, 2011, didn't actually have a will. So her three million pound estate went to her mum, Janice, and her dad, Mitch. The pair were married for two years, of course. Not her parents, but um, Federal, Borderline, Civil, Blake, whatever the fuck, and Amy Whitehouse. They were married, married for two years and divorced in July 2009. She gave her ex a lump sum of 250 grand when they split up. But lawyers are now saying that the worst of the settlement could mean that he might be entitled to more cash especially if he needs to buy a house or some soap because he's a shower allergic fucking clown uh, at amy's funeral her dad talked about her battle with the booze and he also tried to shill his shitty singing career because i'm not sure if you knew uh, he had his own singing career and he was dreadful he actually played at a friend of mine's uh, wedding and he was awful anyway amy winehouse dead james corden Anyway, look, I've got to go now, gang. I'm ordering a bunch of hay bales myself, and I'm going to be putting them in front of my television just in case sheer ever pops up on it.
0: And, of course, today is Tuesday around here. That takes on a special meaning. We take a look at some classic TV songs with TV Tunes Tuesday. Here we go, you know what day it is. It's TV Tunes Tuesday. like that one. Yeah, I me do.
1: too.
0: I really do. Uh, as I teased at the top of the show, it is the theme song from the longest running show on television. Any guesses, Eddie? It's currently still on? It currently is still on. I'll give you a little bit more detail. It debuted in 1989. It has had 662 episodes since it's been broadcast. The longest running American sitcom and the longest running American scripted primetime television series in history. I know. You know? Simpsons. The Simpsons, indeed. Manny called in asking for this one. Hi, Ralph. Uh, This is Manny from Torrance, and I wanted to call to give my suggestion for TV Tunes Tuesday. Uh, I was a
1: child that grew up in
0: the 90s, and
1: there was no bigger show for me and my brother than The Simpsons. And I think it has an iconic opening theme. And just starting off with that opening Ah,
0: and the clouds opening and zooming in on the town of Springfield was just so huge for us as we were growing up. And given the fact that it is the longest running animated series, and I think the longest running scripted series, I think it deserves a nod. That's my suggestion. Thanks. Love you. Mean it thanks so much manny you know he's absolutely right that opening sequence besides just the song that sequence is one of the most iconic in television history because think about it it changes all the time every episode something is different in it whether it's what bart is writing on the uh on the chalkboard or they slam on the couch right how they all come together before they watch it it's remarkable they went to that much work to make that opening sequence so memorable It really is one of the great theme songs of all time by, of course, legendary composer Danny Elfman. Matt Groening himself approached him and requested him something retro, sort of a retro style sitcom theme. And that's what Danny came up with. Danny says it took him three days, two hours, 48 minutes and 19 seconds to create that entire song. Wow. From writing to recording. It only took three days to put that all together. <laughs> and it's been rearranged a couple different times or different versions, depending on what season you listen to. But this is probably the one most people know. Here it is from season one, The Simpsons.
1: The Simpsons.
0: everything that's right. happening as you hear that in your head, right? It. Truly one of the great shows of all time and certainly one of the great themes of all time. That was today's TV Tunes Tuesday. Here we go. You know
1: what day it is. It's TV Tunes Tuesday. On today's before. Oh, I like that one.
0: Yeah. Eddie likes that one. I gotta trim that out. Yeah, I think you <laughs> it's do. Getting a little old. It annoys the shit up. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for today's show. Tomorrow, of course, is a Wednesday. Um, oh come, don't tell me. I know something uh, happens on Wednesdays. One hit wonder? You got get right. It is one hit wonder Wednesday. We'll play one of the smash hit songs from the past that no one ever heard of that person again after it was all over. Mm sad remember when you ran away and What's i got on Why, my you me.
1: just got people over that and now you're gonna bring them back into it you know
0: now that we played that a lot of people are asking for some weird sort of novelty stuff which we didn't usually usually we do like the pop hits and yeah. stuff maybe it's time to do a bit of a deep dive into some real weird one-off novelty stuff that songs, that somehow made to the top of the charts. yeah that you won't believe made it and also you'll never want to hear again after <laughs> after we talk about it anyway that's tomorrow's show come on back won't you Love ya, mean it, bye.